Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. If you were to be alive in the last days, the end times, are you going to be found faithful? Are you going to be doing the things, speaking the things that God will be well pleased with? This should be our utmost desire always, but especially in the last days. These times that are coming will be the most difficult ever. And we need to be praying to God. We need to be interceding for others that in the midst of what Messiah taught last week, these birth pains, that we will have a testimony that demonstrates the will of God doing the things that he has called us to do. And that's why it's so important that you and I understand what's going to happen in the last days. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Matthew and chapter 24. Now, many times we hear that phrase, the end times or the last days. And we need to see that there are stages for this period of time. We saw that there is going to be a time of great instability, what Messiah himself called birth pains. And we know something. A woman goes to labor. She suffers intensely, but there's a purpose. That pain is going to bring about a result, a good result. And in the same way, these difficult things that are going to be happening it is going to give rise to the establishment of the kingdom of God. So we know when we see these things that we should be encouraged in one sense, that what God said, and he said it last week, when he says these things must take place, they are necessary in order to move things forward in order that the kingdom of God comes. And we want to be faithful disciples. And the only way that we will pray effectively, the only way that we will have the right attitude is when these things begin to happen, times of persecution and suffering. And we'll see this again in no uncertain terms when we open up the scripture. We want to be individuals that do not shrink away, are not surprised, are not confused, but that we are a source of spiritual stability because we can speak truth. We know what is happening and why. And we know how God will use these things in order to bring about his kingdom establishment. Now, we saw something else. We saw with that term birth pains that there are certain things that accompany birth pains spiritually. And what is that? We saw that there's going to be wars, not just one or two, but many wars. That one ethnic group 
is going to rise up against another. And this will happen in many different places. There will also be conflicts between nations and countries. And in addition to all this, which would bring about great instability, there is going to be famines in different places, also in the plural. There will be earthquakes in various places and also pestilence, that is plagues. And we talked about the fact that these type of plagues, they are from God. And there's going to be no uncertainty. It will be, and hear this carefully, it will be painfully clear that these are from God. No one will be asking, they will know. So imagine that, wars all over, political instability, earthquakes, famines, pestilence, and all of this is going to bring about the worst time of global instability, financial chaos, and who's going to begin to be the source of this? It's going to be, according to prophecy, according to Daniel chapter 8, there's an empire. It's called a beast. Prophetically, a beast is an empire. And that empire is called, in the language of the scripture, paras umidai, which is Iran and a coalition of other nations. And this is going to be how Islam is going to rise up, and it's already beginning. It has begun some time ago. And they're going to spread their dominance, beginning in the east and moving westward to the north and to the south. And they're going to be a source of great suffering, hardship, and instability in the world. Now, many people wrongly think, and they teach this, that the Antichrist will be from Islam. This is false. This will not be. How can it be so sure? Islam hates Israel. Iran says almost daily that they want to destroy the nation of Israel. What we learn biblically is that the Antichrist and his empire, this one is going to rise up against the ram. You see, the beast of the Antichrist is called the goat. So in Daniel chapter 8, we see two different empires. First, this one called the ram, that the scripture says is Iranian. It's going to be an Iranian coalition that is going to spread out, and it is going to bring great suffering, great hardship, death, destruction, and instability in every sense of that word, instability, economically, politically, socially, everything. And the scripture says that the world is going to have a sense of hopelessness. Who can stand, they'll say, against this ram? And then suddenly, unexpectedly, there's going to be another beast, that is another empire, out of what the scripture calls Yavan. Now, Yavan in modern Hebrew, would refer to the nation of Greece. But in the biblical times, it simply was a synonym for what we would call Europe. 
So this beast known as the goat that is going to rise up out of Europe, it is going to defeat the ram. We see that clearly in Daniel chapter 8. And we see three times in Daniel chapter 8, even though many commentators ignore this, three times Daniel tells us that this vision, what he's revealing in Daniel chapter 8, is for the last days, that final epoch of time. And it will bring about the end of God's wrath in the world. And that's going to happen, his wrath, that final outpouring in this world, is going to take place to bring about the destruction of the Antichrist and his empire. So this first beast, it is going to hate Israel. But what we see biblically is that the Antichrist, see, he knows something. Remember what the scripture says about demons. Demons believe in God and they shudder. They know the scripture, but here's the problem. They are rebellious. Why? They have believed a lie. And the lie is that they can defeat God. It's all about defeating God, his purposes, his standards, his righteousness, so that there's not a kingdom of God, but the dominion of Satan. And what we learn is this that this Antichrist, his empire called the goat, he is going to defeat to the surprise of the world and the excitement and the pleasure of the world when he defeats the ram, when Iran is put down. And he is going to usher in a time of peace, prosperity, stability, but all of this is false. All of this is simply to gain support and as I said, he knows the scripture. And what does he know? He knows how important Israel is. Remember what Yeshua taught us last week when he says, I will not come. I will not return to establish my kingdom until Israel. Speaking about the Jewish people. Remember that, that, that saying he gave, how he was like that mother hen? that wanted to gather up her chicks underneath her wings. But you, he says, were not willing. And until there is a spiritual change in the Jewish people, Messiah will not return until Israel says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord calling for Messiah. Messiah won't return for the purpose of establishing that kingdom. So there has to be a change in the spiritual condition of the Jewish people. Not so that the rapture will happen, but for the second coming and the establishment of the kingdom. So Satan and the Antichrist, they are going to work to bring Israel to their side. Now, they're not going to be successful. Israel's going to reject the Antichrist. We'll see this in the weeks to come. And that rejection of the Antichrist, he will fail in his purpose, will bring about what's known as Jacob's trouble. The worst, and I want to emphasize this, the worst time of suffering for Jewish people ever. This is what we'll see in the weeks to come. First though, and this is vital, 
You must understand this. We saw some of the indications of this last week, and in a moment, we'll see it again this week. But before Jacob's trouble, what's going to happen? There's going to be a time of intense persecution upon believers. We are going to suffer intensely if you are alive in the last days. And I believe that we are moving rapidly to this period of time. If one is alive in the end times and they stand for truth, they walk in faithfulness and they proclaim the truth of the gospel and the message and the call of Yeshua, those individuals, for their faith, they will suffer. And in fact, we already see a growing, a, a concerning increase in those who are being persecuted and martyred for their faith even today. In fact, there is a growing increase of alarming levels of believers being put to death for one reason, and that is for their faith. And you know what one of the countries that's leading this shouldn't surprise us? It is Iran. So the Antichrist is not coming out of Islam. In fact, the Antichrist, in order to gain support, to try to court Israel to his perspective, is going to defeat this Iranian-led coalition, this empire. And he will defeat them, and he will want all people to follow him, to, to coalesce around his leadership. But there's going to be two people, two groups of people, that reject this. The first, you and me, true believers. And then after the rapture, after Israel's rejection of the Antichrist, then Israel is going to be that second group that stands in opposition when two-thirds of the Jewish people are going to be put to death during this time of Jacob's trouble. We'll speak of it. We'll see it mentioned by Messiah himself in the weeks to come. But in the end, realize something. There is victory for God's people. Well, let's begin, look with me, as I said, to Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to begin what we began last week when we were concluding, and that is verse 9, Matthew 24 and verse 9. We read here, and this is after the beginning of the birth pains, these wars, this pestilence, these earthquakes, all the things that we read about in verses 6 and 7. And then we see verse 9. Then they will deliver you over to tribulation. Now remember, he is speaking about the end times. He's addressing this to his disciples. And we learned already the emphasis is his disciples in the last days. This is who's going to be living out what he's saying. And he states, then they will deliver you over to tribulation. We are called to go through tribulation. I mentioned last week as we began this, Matthew, or excuse me, the book of Acts, chapter 14 and verse 22, where it says, 
It is necessary. Did you hear that? That same word that he uses earlier. It is necessary for you to go through much tribulation to enter into the kingdom of God. Acts 14, verse 22. And in that passage, the writer of Acts, presumably Luke, was speaking about that same biblical truth that we see here when Messiah says, then they, they will deliver you over to tribulation and they will kill you and you will be, and hear this, you will be hated by, and this is how we know that this is a end time prophecy. This has never happened before. It was not part of what took place in 70 AD. In 70 AD, it was Rome. And we could argue the coalition of, of countries under the Roman Empire. But this says something quite different. It says, you will be hated by all the nations. Why? On account of my name. Much of what Rome did against the Jewish people had nothing to do with the name of Yeshua, with the name of Jesus. It was because of, in general, the Jewish people, not believers, but the Jewish people at large going against Rome. So those who teach that Matthew 24 has already been fulfilled, that Moses speaks about 70 AD, they are wrong. It is painfully obvious when you look at the clues what Yeshua is discussing. So he says, they will deliver you over to tribulation, they will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations. Here again, why? On account of my name. Verse, verse 10, and then many will be offended. Now, this is a word for a scandal. They will come to conclusion that it is scandalous to be related to this one, and I'm speaking about Yeshua. Now, when I look at this, the emphasis is believers. We're going to see here that many are going to be offended. And what do you think Yeshua is speaking about? What he taught earlier? That many, when they find out that, that naming the name Christ, being a follower of Yeshua, being someone who identifies with the Bible, is going to get you persecuted, hated, and put to death, they're going to be offended. They're not going to be interested in that. That's not what they thought they were signing up for. They were more interested in help in solving the cares of this world, achieving their goal, fulfilling their so-called destiny. They wanted Messiah to serve them. They weren't interested in serving him. And therefore, many are going to be offended. And what are they going to do? They're going to betray you and me. Remember what John said, that there's going to be a large falling away. Many are going to go out from us because they never belonged to us. They weren't real believers. And what are they going to do? They are going to deliver one another, and they are also going to hate one another. And what else? It's during the midst of this that there's going to be what he already alluded to. See, these last days 
are going to be a time of deception and deceit. And in this time of, of spiritual disobedience, those denying the faith, those betraying brothers and sisters, supposedly fellow believers, but they were not. We read here, at that time, there's going to rise up many false prophets. And what will they do? They will deceive many. And that's why it's so important that we are not confused about what will be. That is why an obedient follower of Messiah Yeshua, Christ Jesus, would never have the attitude, well, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm going to be in heaven one day, so all of this is really not important to me. I'm not interested in studying. That is a very displeasing attitude before God. Someone that would have such a, a belief is shameful. We need to be individuals that know the truth so that we can stand faithfully, stand righteously, and not be deceived, that we can recognize these false prophets. And my concern is this. There's a movement today of so-called prophets. And we have seen that these so-called prophets, they're not prophets. They don't speak the truth. They speak. They are ticklers of ears. They want to be received by people. Their message, their so-called prophecy, is almost always that which is pleasing. It's good news. You find they speak something and they get a round of applause. This is not what we saw the prophets of old. God anointed, God called prophets receiving. They were popular. Now, this is simply an example, a foretaste of what's going to get much, much worse, as he says here. And then many false prophets will rise and deceive many. And then look at verse 12. And on account of the increase, this is the word for multiplication, the increase of lawlessness. Now, I would underline that term lawlessness. It is the word nomos, which is law. In Hebrew, it's the word Torah. And then there's a prefix attached to it, just one letter. It's the Greek letter alpha, which means to negate. So one that is wanting to be against, negate the Torah. Now, there's two things that should come into your mind when you hear the law, the law of God. One is love. Why? Well, Messiah taught this. When we talk about the law, I'm speaking about the law that God gave Moses. When Messiah was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the message of the Torah. What is it? Love. Love God. And because you love God, you will demonstrate love for others. That's the message of, of the law. Likewise, the law is not, and hear this carefully, the law is not an instrument of righteousness, meaning this. If I apply the law to my life as a non-believer, it's not going to produce righteousness. It's going to show me my unrighteousness. But the law defines what is right and what is wrong. It is not an instrument that makes one righteous, but it teaches one 
what is righteousness? So when it says here, look very carefully at our text, verse 12, and on account of the multiplication of lawlessness, what does that mean? There's going to be an absence of loving one another. There's going to be an absence of righteousness in the world. And because of that, notice what it says at the end of verse, verse 12, and because of that, the love of many will, will grow cold, won't be a passionate, won't be a committed love. Now, we see here in the scripture, this relationship between lawlessness and a lacking of love. And when we look at it reversely, when the law is being esteemed, when the righteousness of the law is being lived out, how do you do that? Paul tells us that in Romans chapter 8, verse 4, when he says, those who walk not in the flesh, but in the spirit, they are the ones who fulfill the righteousness of the law. So when I am spirit-led, walking in the Holy Spirit, hearing his truth, the truth of the word of God, the instructions of the prophets, of Moses, of the apostles, of Messiah himself, when I am basing my life decisions upon scripture, I am going to be walking in love, loving my neighbor as myself, and I am going to be living in such a way that demonstrates what is righteousness. That's when the scripture says they'll see your good works and praise who? The source of those good works, our heavenly father. This is what we're supposed to be doing in the last days, but, and did you notice something? There is a repetition of what word in this section? Many. The majority of people, the most individuals, are not going to be doing the right thing. They are going to be walking in opposition. That's why and we see this again prophetically. God works with that remnant. Well, let's look at one more verse, verse 13. We read here, but the one who perseveres to the end, this one will be saved. Now, this is not telling us how to find forgiveness of sins. See, the word for salvation, being saved, that verb is used for healing. This word is used for a multiplicity of different things, not just salvation in the sense of the forgiveness of sins and entering into the kingdom of God. One is not saved because they persevere. One who is saved will persevere. But what does this verse of scripture tell us? It's just good news. What it says is, be encouraged. Because if you endure until the end, and we have to ask ourselves, what end are we speaking about? We'll discuss that next week. But at the end, salvation, what is that? Well, the term salvation is a word that relates to our English minds with the concept of victory. So all he's saying here is this, not that if you endure to the end, you will be saved, and if you don't, you'll lose your salvation. Salvation in that sense is not the issue here. He's simply encouraging us, realize something, you endure until the end, because you are going to have victory. In the end, victory, salvation is going to be manifested unto you. Good news that we need to hold on to. We'll talk more about this next week when we continue in this study from Matthew 
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.